So we had talked about this idea of um, glory to God, and we talked about uh, basically how Jesus lived his life here. Um, and what was said of Jesus, or what he said of himself, if you've uh, seen me, you've seen the Father. You know, he's talking about, you know, if you, you observe me, you would see the Father in me. And we know that um, there's a way uh, that God prefers to be worshipped. There's a way that he wants us to be. And that example primarily is in Christ. But y'all remember this is, uh, I think, the last verse in 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, And in the King James Version, it uses the phrase, decently and in order. And we're going to read this whole chapter here in a couple of minutes, so I won't pick that verse out right now but um, what we want to think about is does this apply to me and y'all can see the picture up there um, do y'all have you, obviously that's a school teacher and a bunch of students right y'all see the picture from in the back right so is the environment that's been established that she's working in right there uh, is that conducive to learning? I see the heads nodding. That is probably not an environment conducive to learning. Um, so is that the purpose of the classroom? Have they got a purpose there? They've got a purpose, and it's not being fulfilled, right? That The purpose of the time there is not getting dealt with. It's not getting taken care of. And uh, some folks are happy. I see some of the kids smiling, but I don't think the teacher's happy with how that's going. I know we got some school teachers here, and uh, probably know what that's like. So we ask this question: you know, what's needed for salvation? What's needed to be pleasing to God? Uh, what's what's the requirement? You know, what, what's needed from me, what's wanted from me. So, this is kind of one of the verses that's most commonly read. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And, of course, is that all? Is that all we need to know? Okay. Um, how must we worship God? But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. Is that all? Worship Him in spirit and truth. Uh, believe in Him, the Son, and have everlasting life. That's some of it. So, questions we want to try to answer or focus on this morning as we're going through this is what are the purposes of our assembly? Who's the focus of our assembly? Um, And what's meant by the terms that we find in Scripture, uh, this idea of decently, orderly, reverently, this idea of decorum? Um, And we want to think about what does this mean to me and how should it look? And, and also kind of want to think about attitudes around some of this. Um, 
so we're going to have a picture up here in just a bit of a military funeral. There'll be a picture up here and we'll talk about it. Um, but when you look at the picture, there's going to be, you know, soldiers in uniform at this funeral and they're going to look very somber, right? Very somber. And when we think about, let's call it traditional worship services, do we think of them as a somber, kind of a serious gathering? Not at all like that classroom picture we saw up there right earlier. That's not what we think about, right? And folks often talk about now they're gonna, we're going to go and we're going to have a celebration of life of this person. I don't, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that, but when you see those guys standing there at the funeral, they've got a, they've got a purpose for being there. Uh, they're conducting themselves in a certain way. I want you to think about when we're thinking about these attitudes and our, and our own attitudes towards the worship of God, right? Um, the guys in the picture there, those military guys, do they hate celebrating? Do they hate parties? Do they hate having a good time? Is that who those guys are because they're participating in that, in that moment? That's not who they are, right? Right? And so understand that there are attitudes around us uh, with regard to the way they look at you because you would be a part of a sober or a somber worship service that you're fuddy-duddy, stick in the mud. You don't like to have fun. You're probably a miserable person, right? Because that's the way you do this. But over here, we're going to have a celebration. It's a party. We're going to have a party. And is that, so is that fun? Does it mean you don't want to uh, enjoy or celebrate or have fun? I mean, is that is that who you are? Because you've chosen to be sober or serious? that really define you right and is that a fair characterization and what I want to do is be careful that we don't have those attitudes as well because do we absorb attitudes from the folks around us about these things all right and and I want you to think to yourself have you ever thought wow this is going to be really boring these next three hours yuck Right? I'd rather be doing something fun. Right? And do those attitudes come back to us? And can they infect our thinking and infect the quality of our relationship together in a place like this? Can that happen? And does that happen? And can that happen to me? And can it happen to you? And so, as we're thinking about the purpose of this, uh, the focus of what we do, and what does this mean to me and how should this look? Remember some of these attitudes that are out there that are probably going to affect the way you think about these things. All right. So I think I've got this pulled up already. 1 Corinthians 14. 
Let's pull it up. You can look at it together with me. I'm going to put it on the screen and read. Pursue love, yet let desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in the tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but it, in his spirit he speaks mysteries. But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church. Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. And greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets, so that the church may receive edifying. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in tongues, what will I... What will I profit you unless I speak to you either by way of revelation or of knowledge or of prophecy or of teaching? Yet even lifeless things, either flute or harp and producing a sound, if they do not produce a distinction in the tones, how will it be known what is played on the flute or on the harp? For if a bugle produces an indistinct sound, who will prepare himself for battle? So also you, unless you utter by the tongue speech, by the tongue speech that is clear, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are perhaps a great many uh, kinds of languages in the world, and no kind is without meaning. If then I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be to the one who speaks a, a barbarian, and the one who speaks will be a barbarian to me. So also you, since you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek to abound for the edification of the church. Therefore let one who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What is the outcome then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with the mind also. I will sing with the spirit, and I will sing with the mind also. Otherwise, if you bless in the spirit only, how will the one... Who fills the place of the ungifted say the amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not know what you are saying. For you are giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not edified. I thank God I speak in tongues more than all you than you all. However, in the church I desire to speak five words with my mind so that I may instruct others also, rather than ten thousand words in a tongue. Brethren, do not be uh, children in your thinking, yet in evil be infants, but your, in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, By men of strange tongues and the lips of strangers I will speak to these people, and even so they will not listen to me, says the Lord. So then tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophecy is for a sign, not to unbelievers, but to those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church assembles together... And all speak in tongues, and ungifted men or unbelievers enter. Will they not say that you are mad? But if all prophesy, and an unbeliever or an ungifted man enters, he is convicted by all. He is called by, uh, to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so he will fall on his face and worship God, declaring that God is certainly among you. What is the outcome then, brethren, when you assemble... Each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. If anyone uh, speaks in a tongue, it should be by two or at the most three, and each in turn. And one must interpret, but if there is no interpreter, 
he must keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and then let the other pass judgment. If a revelation is made to another who is seated, the first one must keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all may be exhorted. And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. For God is not a God of confusion but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. The women are to keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are subject. They are to subject themselves, just as the law also says, if they desire to learn anything, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is improper for a woman to speak in church. Was it from you or that the word of God first went forth, or has it come to you only? If anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual, let him recognize that the things which I write to you are the Lord's commandments. But if anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. Therefore, my brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak in tongues, but all things must be done properly and in an orderly manner. So I learned Bible verses in the King James. Uh, so... It says, let all things be done decently and in order. That's, that's verse 40 that we had at the beginning up there. Um, so, 1 Corinthians 14 then is a discussion of what? It's a discussion of these, this idea of spiritual gifts, right? And the Corinthians were, uh, at least in Paul's view, abusing those things by not doing things in a decent, orderly way, a way that would edify, uh, that would build up the group. He was looking for order. So, if the time of these spiritual gifts has passed, what part of this part of 1 Corinthians applies to us, right? So, if if we're not going to be doing the speaking in tongues, if we're not prophesying, if those things have passed, what part of this applies to us? And I've got those things, I think, mostly lined out here. It's, it's purpose, and the purpose was what, according to that? It was to edify. Uh, the process, you remember as we were going through that, he was like, okay, well, you know, if you're going to do this, take turns and then only really have two or three, and then maybe have this one evaluate that or proof this, right, so that all might learn. You know, there's a purpose, but there's also a process. It's orderly. And is perception important? Go back and look at, go back and look at that chapter, and not only was perception important to those that were members, but he also said when you have guests in, it's important what they think about how this works. And are they edified, right? It's not, so I guess the message is, is this all about me? And we go back to last week's class about this idea of glorifying God, and even Jesus didn't think it was all about him, right? That's one of the things we established in the class. So... You know, I think when we look at this, we see purpose, process, and perception, right? And we remember from last week that this isn't all about me. We, we know from this study that we can tell this isn't all about me. Um, you know, part of uh, the temptation uh, 
to be entertained or to uh, make it all a celebration, um, where does that come from? Be honest with yourself, right? Uh, Proverbs has uh, a verse that says, uh, basically, better the house of mourning than the house of feasting. And when you read that, you're like, wait a minute, a funeral is better than a party? That's crazy talk. But what part, when you're at a funeral, what are you, what are you reminded of? Mortality, the brevity of life, the importance of your decisions. You know, it makes you sober in your thinking. So it's good for you, right? It's good for you to, to think and reflect. So when we do the Lord's Supper, it's a memorial of what? The suffering of Christ, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, right? Uh, is that a sober moment? Is that a reminder? Does it make us think more seriously about the decisions that we make in response to, to that, right? And so is that better for us than a party? Is it possible? that being serious maybe could be good for us uh, and good for our purposes. So uh, Colossians uh, 2.5, For even though I am absent in body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. Good discipline. Um, when we think about Discipline. Sometimes we think, you know, that's a very disciplined person, uh, you know, and that's almost a negative thing, right? This idea of self-control or self-discipline sometimes. Uh, he's bragging on them. Rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith. Discipline, stable, good things. Hebrews 10, starting in verse 24, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as a habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Um, 1 Chronicles 15, 13, for because you did it not at the first, the Lord had made a breach upon us for that we sought him not after the due order. So, I didn't want to read the whole story, but this is, y'all remember the story of David, they're trying to get the ark back, right? They're trying to get the ark back, and they bring it back the wrong way, and the guy Uzzah reaches up to touch the ark, and what happens to him? God strikes him dead, and everybody's afraid to mess with the thing. They put it aside. We're like, woo! Okay, and so... You know, they revisit it later. They say, okay, we're going to revisit this subject. For because you did it not at the first, the Lord our God made a breach upon us for that we sought him not after the due order. In other words, uh, let's go back and do this the correct way and see how that goes, right? We're going to do it in the orderly way, the way he's designated for us to do it and see how it goes. Well, it goes great. That's the story from this chapter. I just pull that verse out. So Romans 15. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. 
Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Uh, does that sound like a, that should be a priority for us? Does that sound like this is us getting some directions about how we should look at things? Um, not to please ourselves, but to please your neighbor for his good, to edification, for learning. Remember that first picture? And we would all acknowledge that that's not learning. That's not edification. So let's look at some definitions. Uh, this idea of decently uh, in vines denotes gracefully, becomingly, in a seemly manner, comely, honorable. Um, this idea of become in, in vines uh, denotes suited to a sacred character, that which is befitting in persons, actions, or things consecrated to God. And think about, think about the Old Testament worship of the Jews for a minute. Consider uh, the ceremony, the formality of that, the seriousness of that, how they approach that, right? Think about that for a minute and compare it to what you think the pagan worship looked like of their day. Now, who was having fun at worship service back in the day? The pagans or the Israelites? Right? Who was learning the most? Who was the most edified? Who was better off for what they were doing as part of their observations, right? So... Conforming to standards of propriety, good taste, or morality. This idea of modestly clothed. Characterized by conformity to recognize standards of propriety or morality. Showing thoughtfulness or consideration. This idea of decorum. Appropriateness of behavior or conduct. Propriety. The conventions or requirements of polite behavior, the formalities and decorums of a military funeral. That's part of the definition. So that's why I got the picture. Proper and polite behavior. So here's the picture, right? Can you all see that in the back? Good? Okay. So my dad was in the military. I know we've got folks here that have some military history. Or no folks that participate in the military. So the questions up here, you know, basically who's being honored in this picture is not the guys you see standing there, right? It's the person who's died and the family that's there, that's represented there, right? Uh, what are some of the things that we know shouldn't happen here? Like, my dad trained officers in the military, so I'm going to just tell you all that don't know. Uh, this guy right here did not, he did not slide up into the parking lot a minute before slipping on, I mean, trying to put his buttons and his stuff on 
He didn't get there a minute before it's time to start. I promise you. I know for a fact. Mr. I see Mr. Gary. He's like, oh man, he would, he'd be in so much trouble. Because why is he here again? What's the purpose? What's the purpose of this? You supposed to be prepared? Is he is this guy supposed to be prepared? You're right. Right. He's participating in a ceremony. He's participating in a ceremony that's honoring this person or this person's family, right? Um so Y'all think none of these guys ever like to have any fun, right? We talked about this earlier. We know that that's not a fair characterization of these people, is it? But they participate in this. Uh, For those that have never been to Washington, D.C., to watch the changing of the guard uh, at Arlington, to me, that's the first place I like to take people if I'm going. I want you to see it. I want you to think about it. Uh, they're honoring the tomb of the unknowns there. That's what that's about. And if your cell phone goes off in there, has anybody been there when somebody's cell phone went off? I have. It's very (laughs) embarrassing for that person. They'll take you away from there. They'll take you away from there. Right? Because that's not supposed to happen there. So, are there some things that we know shouldn't happen here? I see Andrew. Y'all quit that running. Why did you do that? They're just having fun, right? They're kids. Does your conduct in the assemble in the assembly honor God? And we talked about this idea of glorifying God last week. Does your conduct in the assembly affect others' ability to worship? Or can it? And does it have an impact? You know, your obvious attitude towards the seriousness of what we do? Yes or no? Reverence. To feel respect for, to show deference to, suited to a sacred character. A feeling of profound awe and respect and often love. An act of showing respect, especially a bow or a curtsy. And when I think of bows or curtsy, I think about a more formal time in history. Do people do that here anymore? No. Right. Um, don't don't really handshake as much either, right? I mean, you know, so some of these formalities, I guess you would say, uh, that are associated with this idea of reverence are somewhat disappearing from our, you know, our view, right? We don't think about these things. We don't see these things anymore, right? They don't influence us in our attitudes anymore. What does influence us in our attitudes now is what? This 24-hour entertainment, right? 24-hour, I'm doing what I want to do. I'm being entertained. 
Definition of order, an arrange, arranging, an arrangement used of the fixed succession of the course of the priests in contrast to confusion. And get that in contrast to confusion. There again, remember that first, first picture, right? Orderly, signifying decent, modest, of good behavior, free from disorder, neat, or well-arranged, having a systematic arrangement, given to keeping things neat or well-arranged, an orderly housekeeper, adhering or conforming to a method or system, an orderly researcher, a scientific researcher. Is he a credible researcher if he goes outside of the processes of accepted scientific method. Is his, is, is his work then considered valid? My wife knows. She works at the university. She says she's shaking her head no. If you don't do it right, it's not accepted. The work's not accepted. That's even at the university. Right? They recognize that. Um... Devoid of violence or disruption, peaceful, governed by law. These are just some funny things. Um, the little caption in the corner over there where the guy got has always be prepared up there. They're up on the lift up top and the guy forgot to paint. So, Hebrews thirteen eighteen. pray for us, for we are sure that we have a good conscience, desiring to conduct ourselves honorably in all things. I guess my question is, 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 is this our attitude? Is this who we are? We talked a little bit about Paul's conscience in our class this morning. The importance of it, but it was it the most important thing. You know, he was missing the truth part, right, in his early life. Uh, but it's important that we have a good conscience desiring to conduct ourselves honorably in all things. And so... Think about those kids in that first picture and decide if if that's really the best way. Um, I can tell you that even in football practice, um, growing up, we, we think about that as, uh, you know, it's a rough sport. Uh, it's it's run by oftentimes folks that are on the rough side, uh, but the teams that do well are they the disciplined teams? They're the disciplined teams, right? Um, now you know I remember when sportsmanship was a big part of it. It's been a long time ago. But I remember when that was a big part of it, you know. Um, that we have a good conscience, desiring to conduct ourselves honorably in all things. That's, that's really kind of where I want us to wind up in our thoughts. Um, 
you know, I want us to be honest with ourselves about how we view these things, how we're influenced by the world around us. Um, is there, think about this, is there a push for things to be more fun kind of all the time? I see some heads nodding, right? Right? Um, but consider who that would be about. And is that how God has defined that he wants to be honored? Think about the definitions of the words used in the verses that we read. Right? Um, and think about the soberness or the seriousness of the things that we consider when we get together to do these things, right? And it's a small fraction. There's 168 hours in a week, and we've determined to be here together to do these kinds of things for four hours. Is it a good idea to be serious and sober and maybe even a good bit like those soldiers that show up, right, to participate in a positive way, to honor somebody else? Is, are we soldiers of Christ? Is that who we are? Is that who we're supposed to be as we get together to do these things? Just some thoughts I thought we would share together. Um, if you'll get your songbooks, turn to number 230. I uh, know this um, wasn't a lesson about what uh, it takes for you to become a Christian uh, or really even uh, much about... Uh, the idea of being a wayward Christian, more about attitude or heart or, at, you know, how we approach our worship.